Alrighty. Okay, you got your, got your note, notebooks out, your iPads, your phones out ready, because we are continuing with uh, last week's message of here and now. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. Well, firstly, again, thank you for joining us online. Uh, I don't know where everyone is joining us from, but wherever you are, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Tom, Tom Hatch. I'm the pastor here at Elam Christian Center Blenheim, uh, along with my amazing wife, Suzanne. And uh, we have got this incredible privilege of still being able to do church, but just doing it a little bit different for the next few weeks. So God bless you for joining us. Thank you for joining us from wherever you are joining us from. All right, let's dig into the Word, and let's enjoy God's Word this morning. So last week, I mentioned how over these times, and let's just be real, these times are a little bit unusual, a little bit different. And we're having to maneuver a lot and quite quickly and quite regularly. But what I said last week was I have been seeing people checking out. Checking out of work, checking out of home, checking out of church, checking out of their relationship with God, checking out of their marriages, checking out of parenting. There just seems to be this growing desperation to escape. But as I was thinking about this, is it a desperation to escape or it is a desperation to get things back in control. I don't know, it could be either either. But I think that there is something that we must do. There is, there is an intentionality about our behavior that we need to check. Again, we don't need to check out. If anything, we need to check in. But you know what? I, I, I have to admit, if that's you, if you've been desperate to escape or if you've been desperate to try and regain some sort of control back in your life, you know what? I get it. I get it. I admit, I've been there. I've been there more than once and more than once a day. So I totally get where you're feeling. But you know what? The truth is that there is actually a greater need for us to be present and active here and now than there is for us to escape. Last week, um, I quoted the late Dr. Miles Munro, two, two incredible quotes that he said. Here they are. They, they, uh, they should be coming up on your screen. They're coming up on ours. Here we go. Your destiny is chosen by God. Your future is certain. Whether you arrive there, it's up to you. The other quote, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose, life with the wrong priorities. And I shared last week how I had been grumbling and muttering to God about some further disruption here. And I shared about that it was the fact that the, our school was having exams and, and my staff, some of my staff couldn't use their offices. And then God really, he grabbed me and he corrected me. You know, there's, I, I, remember, I, I remember receiving discipline as a child from my dad. We won't go there. <laughs> But you know what? There is something different being disciplined by your heavenly Father because there's, there's just this undeniable love and grace to it. And he really challenged me about checking my heart and then checking the vision. And I had this massive perspective shift because what I realized was the very disruption we were having with our school was actually the outworking and the growth and the breathing of the vision that we've been praying into and believing for the growth of our school. And you know what? In that perspective shift... All the grumbling and the muttering evaporated, and that, that changed. I went from grumbling to praising. I went from muttering to worshiping and being filled with thankfulness for God's grace and His blessing. 
And if there's a conversation that I've had in my role as, as, a, as a pastor and one of the senior pastors in Elam now, if there's a conversation I've had with many pastors over the years who've said, oh, we can't do it because of this, or we can't do it because of that, or we, it, it's this, don't focus on why you can't do it, begin to look at how you can. And so if you're feeling right now that you want to escape or you desperately need to get some sort of control back in your life, don't be focused or drawn to only looking at the things that you can't do. But begin to lift your eyes and look at what you can do. It might only be something small, but even the smallest step forward is further than you were before. You know, in, in this job as a, as a pastor and as a preacher and a teacher, I often find that when I teach something, I'm very much reminded of what I just taught in the week that follows. And, uh, you know, I talked just before about having a perspective shift. So just last Monday, Suzanne and I were out riding uh, our bikes. We've got, we've got a, a real bikes. They're not e-bikes. They're real bikes. And we're out doing a ride. And, uh, man, I don't know, last Monday, it was a stinking hot day. And it was, it was muggy and there was sun. And as we're riding, we went out to the Wairo Lagoons. And as we're riding out, every now and then a cloud would come across and we would get this short burst of shade and cool. And we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I started to laugh. And I thought, how many times have I been outside having a cold drink in the backyard and a cloud has come across and blocked the sun and I've gone, oh, go away. <laughs> you know what? It's all about our perspective. It's all about how we see things. And so, like I said at the beginning, I'm going to continue teaching into this today. You know, as followers of Jesus, we need to know that situations may shift, emotions may fluctuate, people may disappoint or even abandon us. But if there's one thing that will never change and never abandon us, that will endure right through to the end, that is the Word of God. When we allow God's word into our hearts, we can experience peace that rises above all of our circumstances. Let me read to you Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I, mean, I want you to just pause on that. His peace will exceed anything that we can understand. That's huge. That's profound. It's like that blocks out and shifts Everything that's crowding and clouding us out right now, suddenly there is this undeniable peace. That's what God has for each and every one of us. Carrying on. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, we can read that and we can claim that. But whilst God's love is unconditional, the blessings and the fruit of God's love are not. There are conditions. In that verse 7, it starts with then. So what, what is the then following? Let's jump back to verse 6. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You know what? I, I love how the New Testament just absolutely confirms and solidifies the Old Testament. This here says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Include God in your day. You know what? 
that totally lines up with Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, where it says, In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Tell God about everything. Tell him what you need. Thank him for the things that he's done. In all your ways, acknowledge him. If we want to know the clear path that we should walk, if, if we want to have that fresh perspective about the here and now, then we've got to include God. We've got to include God. We need to have a true relationship with God where his word is in an inseparable part of our lives. So before we go anywhere else, I've got a prayer here that I'll put the whole prayer on a slide. And if you're brave enough, if you're brave enough, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me as long as, long as I pray it. Here we go. God, you made me and you know me. You alone have the power to transform my life. So today I'm asking you to align my life with your word. No matter what I face, give me the boldness to remain true to your word so that I can be present and active here and now. Then I may proclaim, may proclaim your truth and love to the people you place in my life. Make the roots of my faith grow deep as I draw close to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what? We need to be present and active. We've got to be present. We've got to be here and now. Why? Because destination-minded people are never satisfied in the here and now. What do I mean by destination-minded people? When we are continually destination-minded, it causes us to set our satisfaction levels on the when this happens or when that happens. A saying that my mum used to have Bless her heart. You know, I think it's a British thing. She was from England. You know, when the boat comes in, you know, when my boat comes in, we will do this, we will do that. Basically, mum was saying, you know what, when we've got enough or when everything is good, when all our ducks are in a row, when all the boxes are ticked, when, 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 then. And if we live like that all the time, then our satisfaction level is set on the distance. It's not set here and now. And we will live unsatisfied. We will live frustrated. And we will start to live comparison and envy-powered lives. We'll be comparing what we have with what others have. We'll be envious of what others have or don't have. We can't live destination-minded. We know that we've got a destination our destination is heaven and with God if we believe in Jesus Christ and he is our Lord and Savior. But God has called us to be present here and now. James chapter, James chapter 4, in the, in the Apostle James, he wrote this in chapter 4 of his letter. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Oh gosh, if there is a time right now we can go, what? This is it. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting out of your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, 
famous for the Narnia series, but he's also famous for a whole, a, a whole lot of other books, and one of them's called The Screwtape Letters. I won't explain what those books are all about because they're a fascinating read, but he's quoted as saying this, if you want a religion to make you feel comfortable, I certainly do not recommend Christianity. It is an adventure. <laughs> Last week, I declared that Christianity is not for lazy people, and it's not. Again, the Apostle James writes in his letter in chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Don't say why you can't. Tell me why you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I tell you what, I have taken verse 5 right there and I have made that almost an everyday prayer in my life. God, you said. <laughs> you know what? It's actually nothing wrong with saying that when you start a prayer. God, you said. As long as what you say that he says lines up with what he did say in the word. God, you said. Verse 5. If you need wisdom, God, I need wisdom. <laughs> I need it. And you know what? We don't need to be afraid of asking for it because it says he will not rebuke you for asking. How good is that? How good is that? Carrying on, verse 6. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Am I encouraging you today to become completely and utterly 100% sold out for God? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I know, Mark, you're a boatie. Have you ever been out in the sounds when the full Marlborough Sounds chop is happening, where you have absolutely no idea where the wind's coming from, but the chop is manic? Yeah, it's just crazy. If there's any boaties out there watching us in our Marlborough Sounds, there's a thing called the, the Sounds Chop or the Marlborough Sounds Chop. And the winds come from all the different bays and it blows the waves. And, the, and it's just, there is no rhyme or reason to how those waves come. But it's just nuts. That's what this verse is talking about. Being blown and tossed around like the waves of the sea. You know, the more I read the Bible, the more I'm finding that Psalm 23 verse 5 is an absolute piece of gold for every day in our lives. Let me read it to you. Psalm 23 verse 5, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Now, in the Old Testament, the real and the actual happened. They anointed heads with oil. The overlay into the New Testament is, I mean, we don't run around now pouring oil all over each other's heads whenever someone comes around for dinner, but the Holy Spirit does. So what is this feast that God is preparing for us? You know what? I'm, I cannot say that I'm surrounded by enemies if the only picture of enemies I have is people. In actual fact, I'm surrounded by phenomenal people. But like many today... There are enemies of uncertainty. There are, there are enemies of sickness. There are enemies of, 
divided loyalties, there's difficult things, there's stuff swirling around all of the time. And those things can be enemies to your peace, enemies to your joy, enemies to your uh, uh, confidence. I mean, John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can steal your peace, he is an enemy of your peace. He is an enemy of your life. He wants to destroy you. These things are enemies. But you know what? God's word, in God's word and with God's word, there is a literal feast a table that I can stop and sit at and be refreshed, be given hope, be given purpose, refreshed and clarified. You know, the scriptures again say, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when we read this, Lord, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. What is the feast? It is the word. 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 Of God. It is a literal feast. There is life at that table. There is hope at that table. There is purpose at that table. His word. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I, I taught the message about trees and I told the story of the, um, the biospheres that they built in Arizona. And a, a weird thing started to happen where t- trees would grow to a certain height, then they would die and fall over. And the result was that their root structure wasn't strong. The trees fell over because their roots weren't taking hold. There was no strength in their roots. And they found that that was because within that biosphere, there was no wind. There was nothing that tested the roots of the trees. So when we think of what the Apostle James writes, consider it an opportunity when troubles come. When storms and challenges and obstacles of life head your way, we get to choose to stand. We get to choose our perspective. We keep and guard and protect our hearts with what? With the word. We come to the table of God. We keep his word close at heart. We often ask God to remove us from the storm, but the scriptures teach us that he sets a table for us. He sets a feast for us in the midst of the storm. I love uh, what the psalmist wrote, and I believe it was King David said this in Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word I have hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We've got to hide God's word in our heart. For us to be strong and to have that undeniable peace of God in the here and now, for us to be present and at peace, we've got to hide his word in our heart. I'll tell you what, I, I, I've been working at doing this. I've been working to develop this deeper into my own life. And uh, I've been using the Vision Bible app. And so I've been intentionally seeking out daily devotions that are going to steer me into this, that are going to grow my roots deeper into the Word of God and, and deeper into understanding. In my prayer journal, I've literally asked the Holy Spirit, Lord, let me feel every emotion. Let me feel every tenseness, every, that as I'm reading the word of God, let me be in there. Let me be in the story. Let me feel the story. Let me feel the actual. You know, I, I think about what it must have been like for David running out onto the, into the valley uh, up towards Goliath. I mean, I think he would have been, he would have probably been uh, terrifyingly excited. I mean, he's, he's, we David, a shepherd boy, here's Goliath. They say he was somewhere around nine feet tall. He's got a sling and a few stones, and he's like, 
stuff, he's a big guy. But then he's going, yeah, but God saved me from the lion and the bear. So, I mean, for me, I'd have been going, ha, ah, no God, ha, ah, no God, ha. Ah. I'd have probably been vacillating between it. So I've been asking God, would you put me into the story? Would you let me feel every sense, every emotion, every... And, and in doing that, I'm asking God to shape my being according to his word. The Apostle Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He's writing a letter to the people in Corinth, and this is what he says. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. No preacher likes that last bit. <laughs> no preacher likes that last bit. Training it to do what it should. You know, as a young lad, my dad required me and my siblings to read our Bible every day. His methods of encouraging us to read our Bible every day back then, <laughs> they were difficult methods. Let me just say that. <laughs> they were difficult methods. But I'll tell you what, I, I honor my dad today as one of my heroes because, it, because of my dad, I have grown and grown in my love for the Word of God. And I had to train it to do what it should. I had to train myself. I had to discipline myself to make sure I read the word every day. And now, if I don't, I feel it. I literally feel it physically. It's like if you've been training, if you're an athlete and you've been training for a marathon or, or, or an ocean swim, or if you're, a, I don't know, a, a, a cyclist or a runner or a squash player, there is different levels and different styles of fitness. And if you just kind of take three or four weeks off doing any of that training and you come back, you feel it. You feel it. It's like that with the Word of God. So what does this look like as you read your Bible? Like I said, I've literally, in my prayer journal, I've literally asked the Holy Spirit to take me into every atmosphere, every sense, every emotion within the Word. And, and in this, I've just got some ideas here. Let His Word be absorbed into the depths of your heart. As you're reading it, kind of imagine that the very Word of God is, is being drawn into your being, going to the very core of your being. Here's another thought. Let your character reflect His Word. As you walk out and live out the Word of God daily, here's the next thing. Let His Word and your reputation become one. So when, when you walk and talk and when you walk into a workshop or a classroom or a supermarket, what atmosphere do you bring? What character do you bring? What character do you release? Is it the Word? Let every fiber of your being cherish His Word. I've been in my scheduled Bible reading, and it varies on how many chapters a day because of where I'm at in the Bible and, and how long each chapter is. And this morning, I opened up my Bible. I'm sitting there reading, and I've done a couple of devotions, and I'm coming to my, I read chunks of the Bible every day. And I opened up today's one, and it was like five chapters. And I was like, five chapters? <laughs> Maybe I should have got up earlier. But this, you know what I did? I, I sat there, and I was like, oh my goodness, five chapters. And I did this, I went, right, here we go. I literally did that. It's like, because that's, I, I just want to, I want to want, Amber, your message two weeks ago. What an amazing message. If you missed Amber's message, uh, the, to want to want, uh, man, I tell you what, you should go back online, listen to the podcast. Amazing. Let every fiber of your being cherish his word. 
know, God sent his word. His word came to earth. His word lived and died and rose again. And now we have that word in this form. King David, Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Two questions. Here's the first one. Why is his word so important? Imagine everything is dark and in confusion. There is no shape, form, or direction until God breathes out what? His word. Let there be light. In an instant, I just like, I, here I am. I'm, I'm literally going into where I go in my quiet time. Here I am. I've got Cineplex screens for miles. And I was like, everything's dark. And I kind of picture myself groping around, stubbing my toe, banging my knee. I've got a bruise on my shin because there's something in the dark. I can't see it. And all of a sudden, I hear God go, let there be light. Boom. Light pierces the darkness, and what was once invisible and shapeless is now seen clearly. One word from God can shatter and remove darkness. One word of God can bring things into focus. One word from God can bring such clarity. It, one word from God can change everything. And it doesn't stop there. The same God who created the universe with one breath is continuing to breathe new life into the world through the power of his word. God's word continues today to pierce the darkness. God's word continues today to transform lives and renew hurting hearts. God's word is alive and active. God's word is present. God's word is here and now. God is alive and active here and now. God is present. And you know what? We have got un Restricted access to his word. Unrestricted. Unrestricted access to his word. And if you are a linguist, you have got unrestricted access to his word in I don't know how many languages. And there are languages that are, don't have the written word that are being translated even now. So that there is unrestricted access to the word of God. We have no excuse. <laughs> We've got no excuse. Don't tell me why you can't read the Word of God. Tell me how you can. <laughs> it sounds a little louder when this place is empty. <laughs> you know what? No matter what trials and hardships we face, God's Word will still continue to go out and pierce the darkness. His Word is life. His word is light. His word is hope. His word is filled with purpose. So with the importance of the word, then why is it so important for us to be present here and now? You know why? Because God wants to reveal himself to you, and he wants to reveal himself through you. The world not only needs to know God, but is actively searching for that spiritual truth. Get this, one of the latest blockbuster movies that has been released on the screen right now is called The Eternals. The world is looking for something eternal. The world is looking for something above humanity. The world is looking for something supernatural. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says God has hidden, he has placed, he has sown eternity into the hearts of man. This latest movie is called The Eternals. 
Hello. Some will only come to Christ because of you. That's why his word in our life is important. That's why us being present here and now is important. You are God's ambassador on earth. You were born for such a time as this. Choose to live a life that pleases God and is directed by his word. Become a living blueprint. Worship team, would you please come? Become a living blueprint that transforms generations. Become now mums and dads. Oh my goodness, mums and dads, uncles, aunts, nanas, pops, big brothers, big sisters, I want you to get hold of this this morning. Become the example that shifts the spiritual trajectory of your family. Become the example that shifts the spiritual trajectory of your family. Shift your perspective by submitting your heart to God. Let God guide your gifts in order to reach others for Him. Let God lead you into uncharted territory. Walk with God and acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. Remember, every story has a beginning and an end. It also has a middle. Celebrate what God has done so far, yes. Celebrate where God is taking you, yes. Celebrate God here and now. Going forward, choose to take part in the story that God is telling. God is writing the middle. Not right, he's writing the middle right now with you. Be present here and now. It's a story that began when he spoke the world into beginning. And that story is going to continue even after Jesus Christ returns as King and Lord. And this story transcends history. It transcends future. It's continuing to transform the world. I want to finish this morning with, this, with one question. This question ends this series and it begins the next series. Here is the question. Is God in your story? Is God in your story?